0: Welcome back to episode five of Grow Through It. I'm your host, Peter Frieda. Today, we are lucky to have on the Boulder County Commissioner, Ms. Martha Lochemin. If you'd like to introduce yourself a little bit.
1: Sure, yeah, thank you for inviting me. And it's it's great to um, just know that you're out working and making changes and being curious, et cetera. So I'm excited to participate. My name is Martha Lochemin, and I live here in Longmont, Colorado. And as you already um, noted, I was just recently elected on November 3rd as our commissioner elect. So I will become a commissioner officially on January 12th of 2021.
0: Ooh, commissioner elect. So what, what do you do as the commissioner elect? Do you have anything to do now before?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And it's a piece of, to me, one of the, one of the items that we need to really Look at and um, from a political realm of how do we encourage more folks to run for office? What are some of the barriers? What are some of the realities of, you know, campaigning, getting elected, preparing, and then being able to really work for community? And so that's kind of where you find me right now in this interim period where, uh, you know, there's in basically orientation, onboarding. Still meeting with community folks, with organizations from around the county who, you know, want to share their information, want to update me on things that maybe we haven't seen each other um, for the you know a year or more. I was campaigning for 24 months, so so some folks it's you know kind of circling. That is unpaid, and so it's really just a considered. I've been told um, basically just volunteering in a way to prepare.
0: Oh, okay. That's interesting. So you kind of have to do a lot of, is it, so from November 3rd to January 12th, is that a lot of preparation time for you or did you wish you had more time?
1: You know, it is, it's, and it's actually more preparation and more hours committed to being ready than I, than I was anticipating, um, which is great. And it's, it's good. It's just one of those, you know, as a first time candidate, it's the pieces that, that I'm learning uh, that are you know really important for on-the-job training, which I would do on-the-job training for any job. I think we all would. And, and sometimes we don't get an opportunity to do it until we walk in the door. But with a commissioner position, walking in the door literally means going to the diocese and listening to a public hearing and making a decision about a significant piece. And we can talk a little bit about what that, what that is. But this preparation and orientation really is critical.
0: Oh, wow. So you're kind of just thrown in there.
1: Yeah, exactly. And they gave me the option. They said, you know, it's it's basically optional. You can wait until you get in. But I don't believe, Peter, that that would be the best way to serve community for me to meet. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, take 60 days to get kind of into the groove, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, I get that. So you kind of want to be prepared first. Yeah. So what, what would you do as the Boulder County Commissioner?
1: Sure. Yeah, and this is one of the fascinating pieces about just campaigning and being out with folks, and you know, really the everyday person. And I've met with now county commissioner candidates and and uh, electeds around the state of Colorado, and resoundingly, most people, everyday uh, community members, ask the same question about what does a commissioner actually do? And it's different county to county, but the the main role is. For us in Boulder County, we don't have a county manager. Instead, we have uh, really newly this year, we have a county administrator, but the commissioners are basically three CEOs. And so, it's budget, uh, $430 million budget. And so, it's the distribution allocation of those funds. It's oversight of the programs and the resources, and it's also management and support of about 2,300 employees that work for Boulder County in all different facets around Boulder County.
0: Oh, so so you're doing finances and kind of like the business part of the running the county?
1: Yeah, and and then it's also the major departments um, within our county that are everything from I mean, it's land use, it's open space, it's the county jail, it's our housing and human services, which is the bulk of the county budget, which means, you know, like our family resources centers when folks need um, supports or they need food bank, a lot of that comes from that county budget.
0: Oh, okay. So you are also a realtor. Um, how did you get yourself interested in politics?
1: Right. Yes, yeah, it's so interesting. So you're right my background from active is in uh, finance and banking mortgage and real estate which I think are all really connected and my eyes were really opened very early on in my professional career realizing truly the inequities of access to resource access to true information something as simple as a bank who in my mind predatorily goes to students, for example, and offers high school students credit cards without taking the time to help a young person understand how to build credit, why you need your credit, what your fees are, how you can really use credit to put yourself in a better financial position to be able to rent or to buy, et cetera. And I've seen that in a lot of different areas around Boulder County, specifically within our monolingual Spanish speaking community and our bilingual community. And so for me, I look at politics in the realm of policies and the policies that are HR policies, that are the way people get hired, the way that um, proposals for funding for projects get reviewed or who gets accepted or who receives a contract, and those are the policies that, you know, I I guess I don't see myself getting into politics as much as being very interested as my life has gone on about trying to figure out how we can change policies that will not just include people but will give more opportunities to everyday people in our community
0: well I I think that's I think that's beneficial so you kind of felt the need to step up and be the one to help with that
1: Yeah, and it was, you know, in these different places of my life, you know, in, in, like I said, in banking and when I was in my mortgage career, I was hired specifically because I could work evenings and nights and weekends and work with Spanish speakers to, you know, put together loan applications and provide information. And that turned into an opportunity to um, get my real estate license and really focus on helping DACA recipients in our state and in our region access financing to home because there's a huge financial household wealth gap in this country so how could i you know for me it was always what can i do what can i learn how can i help my own community get access into that and learn about these different pieces that um, really play a role and and i also taught you know i have a master's in secondary ed and for me that was a really similar experience seeing that for me teaching, which I love, uh, teaching should be really about students and families. And my experience um, really ended up seeing from a systemic place that a lot of times that system is more about the bigger organization than it is about meeting families and students' needs.
0: Oh, wow, that's, that's fantastic that you're helping out. I, I've kind of noticed that too with how money can kind of take over as another aspect too, instead of kind of focusing on what the bigger picture is. Mm
1: -hmm. Right, what we care about.
0: Have you always kind of had those leadership qualities in you or earlier on, did you not really feel like that?
1: You know, it's interesting. I, and, and through this process of running for office, there was always a part of me that thought you know, there's, there's policy that need to be changed. Would I be willing to do it? If so, what would that look like? Um, And so there's always been an interest in me and I am and have always been that person who would stand up even as a young person, like this is not right. And, and it's difficult and it's challenging and it makes things, you know, a lot of times just twice as hard. Um, And I think I've seen that, you know, from, from my own experience, I've seen it from a teacher in a classroom perspective, and in business, you know, you don't always have to fight to get in the boardroom. And I have always felt like if I'm in the boardroom, then I can stand up literally and help other people see things differently and maybe change someone's um, perspective—not change their mind, but give them an opportunity to look at things in a way that might make them down the road change their own policy or their procedure
0: okay so kind of being able to let people know like here's another option so if you keep your mind open then you don't have to take this other side but at least you know that there are different sides yeah okay so another question for you being a female and a minority does that affect you in government do you have to work harder
1: yeah i mean if you look at data there's two things and i talk about it a lot in in business leadership Work that I do uh, around the fact that women leadership is still very quiet in the United States. It still is globally, but you know, shockingly in the United States, where you'd think that we were, um, you know, maybe ahead of some of those pieces. The trends still would show that, from data and surveys, that that men tend to believe that women still have equal opportunities to work, and the reality is that. Women still make less than their counterparts in for work, just basic work and wages. And women still do significant amounts of unpaid labor to manage their households, manage their business, manage their lives, um, even in partnerships. And so, being being a woman in is is um, is more complicated. And our policies, that's, you know, going right back to it, the fact that women can do the same job and not get paid the same um, as their counterpart in the United States in 2020 is an an issue of policy. And so we see that happen in in different places. And so what that also has shown um, and many people experience that in general public or community members question women who want to lead They feel more comfortable. It's something that's just been ingrained into us and taught to us. But if you look at, you know, Forbes 500 Fortune companies, excuse me, companies, it's a very, very small percent of companies who are who have made a commitment to truly allow their CEOs to be women, and it's intentional and it's part of the system and it's the circles that we run with. And so, leadership. So one, being a woman, yes, woman absolutely affects our ability to um even get close to the door. And being a woman of color has significant challenges. For me, one of the, the pieces that was really challenging in Boulder County was that I as a first-time candidate, a lot of folks didn't want to didn't want me to have an opportunity to run in this race because as they've told me and I've heard again and again that I wasn't in their circle. They didn't know me. Um, I wasn't working for their party. I wasn't involved in the way that they felt comfortable. And that's a bigger question about how we look at leaders, I believe.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, is it more intimidating, too, that I would assume?
1: Um, no, I would guess so, but here's this is what's so fascinating to me. I've had a lot of people reach out to me since November 3rd different community groups, and I mean, literally this weekend, I had someone call me and ask me if I wanted to talk about racism and racist experience and how to be anti-racist, and I, and I haven't called back yet. I'm, I'm, I'm curious if my uh, other counterparts get those same calls asking about their white privilege and their white experience and, you know, what it really means to be a white leader. And, and, and I don't believe those conversations happen. Right, because the majority of the systems are ran by by white folks who have power and really aren't ready and willing to give power. So I can't totally speak to their their um, experience, but I can speak to mine that um, time and time again has been, um, been very clear to me with words and actions, and I can see the policies that are trying to hold on to the power and not let other folks Um, who don't look like them or don't work like them or or experience life like them into the the leadership circle. I get what you're saying. So
0: I think it's good that the policy changing and everything, I think starting from the policy is one of the most important things we can do so far because that's how it can affect the most amount of people.
1: I agree. Absolutely.
0: I just wanted to wrap things up here and thank you for all the stuff you're working towards and have a good rest of your year. Thank and you. January twelfth.
1: Yes. Thank
0: be ready. Thank <laughs> you. I
1: appreciate that, and I'm glad to meet you. And and certainly, if I can be a you know sounding board or encouragement in any way moving forward, reach out and I'll keep checking out your podcast and and share it out. And uh, congratulations on your work. Thank you. This was Marta
0: Lochevin on leadership in politics? Don't ever be afraid to stand up for what you believe in and speak out against the injustices you see or hear about. There's nothing wrong with standing up for the little guy. I hope that you all have a good holiday and a great rest of the year. Thank you everyone for all of your support and I'll see you in 2021.